What's going on, everybody? Before we get to the podcast, I just want to let you know, if you're looking for a great film to watch this weekend, you can check out my award-winning feature film, Sincerely Brenda. It's available on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV for free. So go ahead and check it out. You won't be disappointed. All right, now let's get to the podcast. I'm recording now, too, but I, I mean, okay. I'm just doing it so I won't forget to hit record. No, I don't. Um, I mean, I don't care. You know me. I just like if I say something reckless, just take it out. <laughs> if I say something that's going to get you in trouble, just take it out. <laughs> Man. You can actually put that in there. <laughs> no, yeah, I will. I will. Welcome to Life Beyond the Left. And now your house, my daddy, Kenneth Nelson. All right, y'all, welcome to this episode of Life Beyond the Lands. I have my homie, my brother, Zachary Cunningham. It's back on the podcast. We had you on a few months ago, man. You mm-hmm. and Charles were on a few months ago, and that was like a two-parter. Man, we had so much to talk about, man. That was a two-parter, but I wanted to get you back on, man. I know we were talking about having you back on, and it's been a lot happening, man. From last time we were on, this was pre-COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, man... I I'm, I want to say you took full advantage of co- uh, quarantine and COVID. Yeah. Like, I mean, where there are some people that are just complaining about not being able to, to go to, to go do what they want to do, um, you know, or just letting us get you, get them down. Like you wrote a book, uh, you wrote and finished a feature film, your first feature film. Goodness, you got another script. I think you got some other stuff you wrote, man. A couple of things during COVID, like even yeah. I mean, you was just you was just out here like getting it done during the quarantine, man. And so um, we're gonna dig into all this, man. First, just just talk about, man. Just, just how you doing? How you feeling, man? You finished your first feature film, bro. Um, I'm chilling. I'm good. I mean, appreciate you for having me on. Um, I would say, uh, you know, really. I kind of like, I don't even know, man. I'm just like in a state of reflection now, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't like from the beginning, like, like you said, I wrote the book, started the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. you know, was doing videos on that, then did the film and everything was happening organic. I'm not even going to lie and say like I planned it, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, I mean, you've been there the whole time. Like, yeah, so yeah, like yeah. You don't talk like, so you know, it's kind of just like, I'll be like, we'll be on the phone and like two hours into the call, I'll be like, hey, I think I'm going to do this. And then <laughs> this next it. week. Do it. You're yeah, doing it. Yeah. That, that's really all it is. It's just me just, um, it, you know, because so I was always a procrastinator as a young as a young kid, like even in high school, college, whatever. And so like as I've gotten older, I always try to take like what I feel like my weaknesses are in life and like turn them into strengths and so now if i have like an idea or if i have something that i want to do i just do it like immediately you know what i'm saying like um because i feel like if i apply myself um i don't feel like it's anything that can stop me um from achieving um the peace that i want to achieve you know what I'm saying? Because I, I feel like that's what it's really about. It's just about like, you know, doing everything you can possibly do while you can, um, while you're able to do it to the point to where you get that fulfillment. And from that fulfillment, um, peace comes. Man, if that's, if that's, if anything has taught us, man, it's COVID. 
has taught us that, like you said, do what you can do while you can, because you just never know, man. Like it, it was scary seeing people. I know you have people that you've known that that have died from it. Um, I've known a couple people that have caught it. A few people that have died from it. Um, and it's just scary, man, because it's random. You don't know. Like, you know, you don't know what type of strain you about to get, like if it's about to take you all the way out or, you know, if you're just going to be down for a little bit, but it's definitely been scary. And so I'll say it, it's been watching you, you know, through this process has been inspiring. Like I told you, it's been inspiring to see. You had a quote on your Instagram from Gary Vee that I saw yesterday that talked about perfectionism is just insecurity uh, made up in like lipstick or something like that. Um, and it's, man, that's so real because it it's like what really holds us back you know i, I would I th- think about myself with some of the stuff that i've done and didn't put out there and it's like wh- why didn't i do it or why did i stop it's really the fact that like oh will this be hated like i don't want to go through the process and get this hated or it has to be perfect but that's not a realistic man you know you can strive for perfection while you're doing it and putting it out there <laughs> but doing it put it out there so i always respect that about you man like you say what you're going to do and then you do it with speed you execute with speed i mean i just yeah i just try to i just try to um i just try to live up to like the expectations based on like what's available you know what i'm saying like so back in the day you would have to raise like i think uh she's gotta have it they made that for five hundred thousand dollars and that was a low budget film back then. I think like then like Spike's grandma like give him like half the money or something like that something from like, her yeah, house or something. Yeah. It's like some crazy, crazy story. But now, you know, you don't even need a fraction of that to make a movie. Really, you I mean, we can get into this later in terms of the actual like, you know, philosophies behind independent filmmaking. But really, you don't even need money to make a movie today. If you have resources, skill, location uh talent some people cringing you say that they cringing right now yeah i mean well i would <laughs> so I, would, I would be like okay like are you making your movie though like I, like so if somebody if somebody's in hollywood and they're getting like million dollar deals every single day then yeah go ahead and cringe we just in two different lanes you know what i'm saying but if you are somebody who's still waiting to make your first like short film and you say you need $20,000, like, I've, we made, we made Little Church for probably around $12,000. We made Right On for fifteen. you know, like, we've done that, and these are short films, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I would say if you're one of those people who is, like, still waiting for that check, the checks are dwindling. <laughs> They're dwindling. And the people who are getting the checks are a select few. And the people who are getting the checks are the people, quite frankly, like us, like the Ken Nelsons, like the uh, uh, Jazar Riches, like the like everybody in Detroit who's making movies, like uh, Moolah, like you know all of them, like every like is everybody's making movie. Like essentially, that's how you get the check. You know what I'm saying? Is by making the movie. You show what you can do, and then you just you just slowly. It's the it's a long it's the playing the long game. You know what I'm saying? You just do it the best you can. Of course. Like, what I always try to do with every one of my movies, if I make a movie for $10,000, I want it to look like it was made for $100,000. If I make a movie for $15,000, I want it to make it look like it's made for $150,000, you know? So talk about that, like, because I have kind of, I'm, I'm the same way where 
when I when I approached all my stuff, even my shorts series, Sincerely Brenda and I Vow, I always say, I don't have any money, but how can I make this look like I got all the money and all the resources? You know, and so I have like a few, I guess, rules that I go by, but at what are your rules, man, for that? Because somebody listening, I'm like, man, I, I can't, I, I just don't know how to make it look like I have the, all the resources. Like, um, what are, how do you narrow all that down? And what, what are your, your philosophy on, on making it look like you got 100 Gs to make the film? Um, so I think first it comes down to like, so like if you're brand new in this, then you, you probably can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I've been shooting for like eight, eight, nine years, like before this. So it's just been a matter of like, I think Barry Jenkins had a quote where he said, learn to master your tools first, because when yeah, you master yeah. your tools, they get out the way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think, so that's kind of like the, what I kind of live by. Like I'm one of those people, you know, right now I can look here. I got lenses all over my desk. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Just different lenses. And I study all of these lenses. I buy them. I, I look up different filtrations. I, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, mm. like I'm testing, I'm doing all of these things. Um, so I think first, like first and foremost, it comes down to, a mastery of the tools that you have. And I don't even necessarily think that you need the best tools. Mm-hmm. I think it's more so about have tools that you know how to use, like you know how to maximize it. Um, so uh, for me, you know, we shot my feature on a Black Magic Pocket 4K. Now, would we have loved to shoot it on an Alexa? Of course. Mm-hmm. However, if we shot on Alexa, which we just, I just directed the commercial that was shot on the Alexa with $40,000 lenses, like anamorphic lenses, um, like you need an AC, you know what I'm saying? You need mm-hmm. all these riggings, you need all of this other stuff. So I wouldn't even be able to get the maximum out of that camera with the size crew that we had, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think first off, mastering the tools, um, I think, uh, second off, uh, uh, preparation, I think preparation is the single most important, um, aspect of filmmaking that, um, is probably overlooked. And I, I think, I think that's why you can look at certain low budget movies. You can tell they're low budget mm-hmm. because you can kind of circumvent, um, you can circumvent the, the the quality if you take time. Like, so they always say, good, fast, cheap, pick two. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we shot my film in six days. Now you'll say, oh, six days is crazy. Now the script is only 70 pages because <clears throat> it's just like one of those kind of like quiet romantic drama type joints. Um, we shot so that's in like 10 pages days. a day, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? However, we shot in six days. Um, but I prepped for six months. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Charles mm-hmm. came to Charles Kennedy, homeboy Charles, friend of the show, uh, came to my house probably like two, three times a week, and we just tested, 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 tested different skin tones, got into a location, like went there like just tested like so it's all in the prep so even though we only had six days most of the setups we already had we already knew exactly what we were going to do so we can move very very efficiently 
But if you look at that ratio, it's 180 to six. <laughs> yeah. 180 prep days to six shoot days. I mean, and even longer than 180 days, because you know, you, you probably you like you said, you know this film so well. I remember we were talking afterwards and you're like, man, even before you shot it, you're like, I know this film so well. And that comes from living with it for is in your head, the idea is there, it kind of like turns into a bunch of different ideas and you you just live with these characters. And then once you know, you get in the pre-pro, like you said, and, and it, it's just constant preparation. Mm -hmm. And so you get to those six days and what is that like once you get there with all that preparation? Well, if you don't mind sharing the story, cause I know you had a story about the first day. And so- Yeah, yeah, yeah know, I know, no, it started off, can, oh, I don't want to cuss, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It started off, it was, it was the day ever like the first day well so we shot six days really yeah we shot six days but the first official day which when everybody came to set was the worst production that i've ever had in the history of me shooting anything important you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying um it was all over the place i feel like everybody was late every single person was late and it was our heaviest day mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying um, and just everything just seemed off. I think, I think the, the redeeming quality of that first day was how strong Debbie and Don were. Mm -hmm. Although I pretty much 86 that whole day. So you could say we shot it in five days. It's three shots from the film that made it into the final film from that first day. Oh, we came wow. back the next morning. It was like, nah, I came back the next morning. Like, no, nah, we got to reshoot. A bunch of this stuff and so where i was going with that question about that first day was going back to preparation because uh -huh. you were able to like pivot oh yeah for sure for sure like because so like i went home after the first day and i looked at the footage and i was like i sent the foot i sent screenshots to both andrew uh my ad andrew alden my ad and Charles Kennedy, you know, producing partner. So both of them are great directors in their own right, by the way. Um, but I sent them screenshots and the screenshots look great. I think I might have sent, I don't know if I sent you screenshots that day. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I did. I, mean, I don't think I did because I was, I didn't want to jinx nothing because I remember you hitting me up on <laughs> yeah, the, second, yeah. the second day. And you were like, how's it going? I was like, I think we're on to something, but I don't want to say nothing yet. <laughs> um, but no, so I sent them screenshots and I was like, man, these look great, but it's not, this isn't in a sentimental mood though. Something's got to change. I was like, something, something's got to change. It's something that this isn't the movie that I was seeing in my head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I felt that feeling before on set before but i've never been able to make that decision and pivot the way because we always had these big crews and you got all these people coming in so for for a director to pivot it would just be like the film just wouldn't get made you know what i'm saying right but because we had like this kind of tight-knit crew small crew we were able to pivot so again i think another if there's another aspect that i would get to the third point is having a strong team not the best team or not the most not the not the uh the, the 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 team with the most union members or whatever what you consider the but like i'm saying the best people for each position 
you know? Mm-hmm. Like Andrew Alden was my AD. He was the best person. Like I, like I can't imagine we wouldn't have finished the film without Andrew. Charles did sound. So even Charles knowing in a sentimental mood and knowing because right. he's been with me through the whole writing process, even him like hearing certain things with certain takes, a regular sound person wouldn't have been like, oh, we need, let's do that one more time. Because this, because Don said a line this way or Debbie said a line that way. You know what I'm saying? Because Charles mm-hmm. is not only listening mm-hmm. as a sound man, but he he's knows listening the as a director. The director, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, of course, you know, Kelly did wardrobe. I feel like, I mean, of course, I can't say enough about my wife, but this is definitely Kel's best work. Like, I mean, the wardrobe that she, that like, she made makeup, like, she made them, they just look beautiful. Yeah, they do, there. man. They do. I mean, <laughs> they just yeah. look beautiful in the film. And um, I always, I always joke with her. I'm like, I wish you did it full time because you'd be getting a lot of jobs. If, like, <laughs> you was willing to do it for other people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, man, they look great, man. It's like, you know what I'm saying? This, the, this, and I, I've seen the film for y'all watching, so it, it's, it's amazing, man. And just seeing the chemistry that Deb and Don have, seeing how they look, seeing how the environment around them look, um, everything came together. And it's crazy because, like, when I, when I first read the script, I read it probably like I don't know, beginning of this year or last year, maybe I can't even. Remember. I was like a year, and I was probably like more than a year ago when I first sent you that. Yeah, and so it's like I read it and. It's it's there, and even you have a funny story about well, it wasn't funny at the time when you on set and you you know pivoting, but like I, I was saying to you, I'm like, even though a lot of things change from the script, it's still the essence of it is still there, and mm-hmm. so um, I could I mean everything came together so well, like you said, having that great team, and so talk about I mean, again, not getting away everything, mm-hmm. you had to kind of pivot from the written word a bit and mm-hmm. you guys are on your toes on set all of you so, so so talk about that experience man well I so yeah so I mean it was one of those things to where like the the film is essentially it, well I'll just just for the audience so they can so they didn't just hear us talking about this ambiguous right, right 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 so the film is called <laughs> in a sentimental mood. And it's about two people who meet at a bed and breakfast um, in Detroit. And they like kind of spend the night together, like kind of trading sorrows. You know what I'm saying? They learn, they grow, whatever, whatever. And they're both, they're both going through very different but similar transitions in their lives. Um, uh, what was the question again? Can. <laughs> so yeah so like you you pivoted from the script a lot you said you got on set and certain things just weren't working and you guys all had to kind of be on your toes yeah yeah so so pretty much so pretty much i kind of told don and debbie that from the beginning even before we got to set i was like this is the kind of movie to where like i'm writing the script when i first sent them the script i said hey i'm writing this script however you guys are going to make the movie you know what I'm saying? Y'all got the freedom because it's one of those films that it kind of needs that like, you know, it's just one of those movies, you know, it's like, it's just certain things that like happen. You just got to let it happen. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, we were, we were able to uh, pivot and uh, the, the, like, we just wanted to create a space to where the actors always felt free. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was extremely evident with um, Brian Taylor. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brian, Brian, the first day, he he plays like the bartender of the uh, Bed and Breakfast in the spot, I mean, in the, in the movie. And the first day, Brian did well, but we were we were like almost like closing him into a box Mm -hmm. because of how we were shooting at that point. And so when we moved forward, when we changed some things, we were able to kind of take the leash off B and he added like a whole different dynamic to the movie. Like that's like to where, cause the movie is kind of quiet and chill, but when B's on screen, he kind of like jumps off screen in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah, I think, yeah. was it you who said like, he's kind of like the shining uh... it, Well, it reminds me of like, if yeah. you watch those movies where you have the bartender and then people are in like a place that's, that's not too many people in the place and that bartender is always either funny yeah. or it's kind of weird. You're like, okay, it's, but he, he reminded me of the dude in the shining. Cause it was very, cause there was no one else in his bed and breakfast. And, and yeah. it was just like, so the shining, it was just them. And then like this bartender that would just show up and be like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, he, and he's very like, like you say, he's comedic, but then so natural what he was doing. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he improved everything. Like pretty so much. Wild. Like I told him, <laughs> yeah. Like, so I told him like, we, we would have like, so I had the lines that I wrote, right? And then I would just be like, okay, B, this is what we're trying to achieve. And just go. You know, because on, on the scenes that we shot with Brian, pretty much we shot two cameras. So it's just like, hey, just go. And Don is really good at just kind of like going with the flow. So the scene with the scene where he first goes up to him and he orders the uh, cranberry juice yeah, and yeah, all that yeah. stuff, it's gold. <laughs> yes. It's gold. Like, I remember... I showed it to Kelly the first time and she was just like, oh my gosh, this is like the best scene in the movie. Like, yeah. you know? I'm like, like this dude is funny. Yeah, this like, and it's not even like, it's not even, it's not even like he's trying to be. He's right. just being, if you know Brian, that's Brian. Like, like, so it's like, be, just be you. You know what I mean? And he killed it. Um, You know, the same thing with Greg who played the valet, same thing. Like, it was like, we want to add these points in the movie to where it kind of broke up like kind of like the um the serious nature of the mm-hmm. rest of the discussions and things mm-hmm. that they're having um and it's not to be like funny or comic no relief, no like humor you yeah. know it's humor you know it's like finding it's like finding humor in like just in like certain things about blackness that we you know because it, mm-hmm. it's a very black movie you know what i'm saying like um so yeah i don't know it's uh Everybody was on their toes. Um, I remember when we were, when I was changing stuff, I remember Charles and Andrew were like, I don't know where this is going, but I trust you. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because I was, I was, I was kind of, I was like every day, because I'm going home, I'm going home, I'm taking the footage and I'm cutting it. So I get to see like the whole movie and I get to see, okay, this can go right here, this here, here, here. And I already know I have like, I have like the, the backbone of the story. So mm-hmm. it's just really just about like, okay, placing this here, placing this there, you know, and just making sure that it all cohesively gets to that last act. Cause mm-hmm. that last act is like, you know, 
is where we want it. You know, the payoff right. has, with a movie right. like this, the payoff has to be crazy. Right. You know, right. so it's just a matter of us, you know, making it interesting all the way up to there and getting to once we hit that last act, it's like, man, that's when, that's when people might cry. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, so. so yeah. yeah, man. So I remember on, um, on Brenda, um, it was my very first day of shooting. And there was another day towards the end. So the first day was the store where, where Rico walks in and buys the liquor. And, you know, he gets attacked at the truck. I remember, like, on that first day, man, very first take, I'm just like, man, I'm making a, I'm making a film. This is crazy. And I was on Facebook Live, and I'm just kind of looking at people like, okay, you want to do another take? How you want to do this? I'm like, people coming up asking me questions. I'm like, this is crazy. That was the first time I felt that. The next time was uh, the, the scene in the car where Charles and his son, it's a flashback there in the car driving. And that was a crazy scene because it was shot at night and we had to do like a fake driving the car make it look like it's driving so there's there's a a, a, um, a guy that has a rental has a rental place in Lansing and we use his driveway and my man threw every piece of equipment that he had in his joint I'm like this about to hit my, my pockets hard right because it, it funny story and I'm, I'm getting I'm going somewhere with this for you but like uh we were shooting another car scene and I had to, and we were running behind and I had to like, just say, Hey, could you start setting up for this shot? Because we're going to be running behind. And so I'm like, I'm gonna have to trust my man that he's not going to try to like kill my pockets. Cause he just, yeah. his throat, his throat. <laughs> and so we get there, man. And, and it's set up and I got all these, um, grip, these gaffers and grips, like setting up flags and lights and trying to do, make it look like this car driving. And I stand back, bro. And this, this, I got a picture of it and I'm like, this is crazy. I mean, it, it's like the biggest thing I had ever done. And it just hit me like, yo, this is absolutely crazy, man. Like mm -hmm. I'm making a feature and I got all these people scrambling for me, for this vision that I don't even know if it's going to come together in the end. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, like you said, like you, you see it, you may, you may have it. Just trust me. You, they were saying, we, we trust you, Zach. Like, so for me, I'm like looking at this, like, you know, I gotta, I gotta, can't let these people down. So where I'm going with this question though, is did you have a day like that on, on a set where you stood back like, yo, this is crazy. This is actually happening. I don't think I had a day like that because quite frankly, by doing it this way in such this small stripped down way, I was back in my comfort zone. Like, so we had all of the craziness with, like, right on, a little church where it's, like, gear everywhere. Like, I remember right on. I had a moment like that with right on because I'm like, bro, like, we shooting on film. It's all these tungsten lights, all these flags. Like, mm -hmm. we got a meter, all this. Shit. Like, we moving furniture. We bringing in long tracks of dolly and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, like, this is, like, this is what they did back. This is how they made, like, the Godfather. Like, that's right. how I was thinking. Right, right. You know, whereas with with mood though, it was it was more like I remember when we shot the first night scene, the first time Don and Debbie meet each other, mm -hmm. like officially in the in the movie. When we shot that, I was looking at the you know, so we lighten it, you know what I'm saying? We lit it, and Don sits into the frame, and you know the little profile shots that we had of each of them, and I was like. This is sentimental mood. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. it. 
this is it. This is what it's supposed to look like. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. how I felt. Like, this is what it's supposed to look like. And I was just like, man, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, if we can... Because, I mean, all the daytime stuff we shot was great. But, mm-hmm. of course, a movie that's called In a Sentimental Mood, you want it to be moody. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. So when we got that first moody shot, I'm like, okay. You in there. If we can keep this, if we can keep this up and and channel this into the rest of the film, then, yeah, we might have something. We yeah. might really, really have something. So it was, it was more like it was more like that, like seeing it, like, because, like you said, I had been sitting with this film for so long. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've been sitting with it for so long, and it's like, quite frankly, Cinnamon Mood is my dream movie. Mm-hmm. I think I might have told you this before, like, I don't have to make another movie again. You know what I'm saying? But we want you to, though. Don't Quentin Tarantino. Don't Quentin Tarantino. Don't put a number on it. No, no. Oh, that's, he's stupid. I'm like, come on, Quentin. <laughs> bro, ten, that, yeah. What is it, 10 films? That's it? Yeah, 10. His last like, one, his next one's supposed to be his last one. Yeah, I'm like, whatever. Come on. He said he about to go write novels and plays. I'm like, come on, Quentin. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, no, nah, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, it was it was like, man, this, this is what Sentimental Mood is supposed to look like. And um, it's it's my it's my dream movie, man. I've always wanted to make a movie like this. So, so Har- sorry. If yeah, Harper know. agrees. He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, keep it, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask you. I'm like, oh, he 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 must be sleep. He real quiet over there. So you brought up um, right on, and you worked with uh, Debbie and Don. That was the first time that you. That was the first time that they were together in one of your films, right? Yeah, um, one of my films. right on. So you bring them back for for um sentimental mood talk about working with those two man they got great chemistry man they had they had it in right on and right on was a whole different piece you know what i'm saying period piece they you know and they come back in this two totally different characters chemistry is great still um what was it like working with them again and then let me let me add another question onto that how did it stretch you again right on was a short now you're going to a 70 page feature. You know what I'm saying? How did working with them stretch you as a director? So the best word I can use to describe working with Debbie and Don would be magical. Because they both like I think like they're like the perfect tandem, like to pair with one another because it's so much contrast between them, but they have very similar spirits. So like Don is light skin, Debbie's brown skin. Debbie is very uh, willing to be emotional. You know what I'm saying? Don is very stoic, you know? Um, you know, uh, Don is kind of like smooth talking. Debbie can be animated, you know what I'm saying? Like, and goofy, you know what I mean? Like, so I think for, th- for working with them too, it's just always like putting them in a position and creating an environment. Um, like, like, I'm not one of those directors who I believe like you, as a director, you get a performance out of an actor. I don't necessarily believe that you get a performance out of an actor. I more so believe that you create an environment. Yeah, yeah. 
comfortable for them that allows them to go to where you already know they can go. Right. Yeah. Where they might not even know they can go, but you just put them in that space. Yeah. Um, and so I think for me, uh, I just kind of always tried to do that. And, and where, 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 where it stretched me was because we're shooting at night exclusively after the first day with them, like everybody's tired. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, it's not like a long shoot. So if we shot like 15 days, but like day five, like people are pretty much going to be on like a nighttime schedule, Mm -hmm. but like, we only shot six days. So like by the time we get to our last day, everybody's still tired. You know what I'm saying? Um, so the main thing that I had to do was I had to like always be present with them, like with them, like just make sure that they were okay. You know what I'm saying? And I tried to do that like all, all the time, but like I remember Andrew, uh, my AD, uh, he told me, uh, well, he did his film. He made his film, shot his film like a year ago, his first feature. Mm-hmm. And so, again, like the same way I asked you questions about yours, I asked Charles questions about his, I asked Andrew, and he was just like, one of the biggest things that I learned is just preserving the energy of your leads. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that. But I had to do that while preserving my own energy because it was a whole bunch of like, craziness with like the location and drama like we had to file an insurance claim and all this craziness you know and so I just had to like manage everything while maintaining you know Don and Debbie's you know energy and making sure that they were okay mm-hmm. um so I had to be present in a way that like probably the only other way that I can think of where I would have to be present like that is like either in my marriage or as being a father, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. <laughs> so it's yep. like, and, but then on top of that, my wife and my kid are on set. So, you know, so it was just a whole, I mean, I had to be a man, bro. Like I'm like, just before, before, being a director like I think with this film like I just had to be a man I had to have tough conversations I had to like I had to look at myself you know um Mm -hmm. I had to apologize you know for to 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 I apologize to one of my homeboys for for coming at him kind of hard you know on one one of the days like you know what I'm saying like Mm -hmm. so in in the midst of doing all of that you know if I'm not ma- if I'm not making sure that I'm creating that environment, you know, suitable for Don and Debbie to perform the way in which they did perform, then, you know, I dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. So that always is kind of like in the back of my mind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers. No, your question, yeah, yeah. But yeah. No, no, it it does, man. It does. I mean, it's a lot to as a director, man. You know, and those listening to this that maybe want to be directors or you are directing and, and it's not you know we we it's not just show up direct to actors <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like and I, and I learned this too man it's it's like you are the leader and everybody's asking you questions and everything comes to you and through you and and like you say you're dealing with your father or husband you know um directing that you also have friends and then professional relationships and there's all these things you got to try to pull together and make work um on top of all the external 
situations that, you know, like I said, location and, and the Murphy's law stuff that, that anything that can go wrong, real go wrong type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so it's, it's a lot, but it's also amazing too. It's beautiful. Like it's, it's just like, I feel like it makes the project better and you, you, and, and not just that, but it's, I feel like it's a weeding out process too. <laughs> Cause you see who you can, you see like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This person right here. I can carry this person for the long haul. Yeah, they, they built for it. Yeah. Like, and, that, and that's really the thing. Like, I mean, that's really why we stripped down. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, because that's another thing. That's what people don't understand. Like, if people saw, if you saw Little Church and Right On, for Little Church and Right On, we had relatively big crews. Mm-hmm. For this, we had like, oh, we had, you know, you could you could say that I was the DP. I won't claim that title out it's more so like a collab like a collective kind of thing um uh then we had like a you know we had a like a a second operator because we had two cameras Mm -hmm. you know we had an ac but he was only there for like two days you know out of the six um and then we had a we had a second ac in jasmine bean you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. um you know, so like it was a real stripped down crew. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like it wasn't this. It's, this wasn't the same situation. But the thing is, what I when we made right on and little church, what 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 happened was is like first off, like we put a lot of money into them, uh, or we put money into them. But I always felt like. I always felt like we were just kind of hemorrhaging money to a degree in these movies. You know what I'm saying? I don't necessarily know if the money made the movies Better. great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like what we paid for, we could have done ourselves. Mm-hmm. But because, I mean, if you look at Little Church, the biggest thing about Little Church is not like how well it was gaffed or how well it was shot. The reality is you can give Jeremy anything. Jeremy's going to make anything look beautiful. But the thing is that we even me and Jeremy knew this, is that like the color, colorist, like, like, but we got our, our colors that he did it for free. Territory did all that post stuff for free. You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't pay for that, you know? Like, so I don't know, like even the best shots, like, I don't know, you remember the shot where Evan is on the phone and mm-hmm. talking to his mom? Mm-hmm. That the why, that mm-hmm. why yeah. wasn't even lit by anything it was an hmi outside that we had like burning but it it was just on like but we didn't even it wasn't even pointing out the window or nothing that was the sun bouncing off of a car into the house <laughs> wow you know what I mean? like it was like it was the sun like that that scene is all natural light wow so 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 what you're saying what i'm hearing is this kind of goes back to the beginning of the podcast when it's like we stripped it down, like I think what I'm hearing is that people are getting it twisted. Like the money, not to be saying we don't need money for the, there's certain, there are certain things that you just need some cash for when you're making the film, but it is not the only thing you need to make the film better. Like you know what I'm saying? I think sometimes we get twisted, and not, not even that, but I think sometimes it's like saying that oh I had this much money to put into the film, having the budget comes with some with a, with a bit of cachet and it really adds more headaches at the end of the day when you think about it. Sometimes it adds more headaches. And mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I want to go back to when we were talking about philosophy for like um, 
from making a film with 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 less. Like one of the things that I would say is know your limitations, but but know your limitations, not not looking at limitations in a negative way, but saying okay. For, for so, so here's an example for me. I know that it's I know my limitations um, and some of my weaknesses. I'm not good at. Uh, looking at a set and saying this is how it should be decorated or let's put this in the background or the color should be like this, you know, and I can't afford, you know, I mean, I, I don't know any art directors and at the time I, I just couldn't, you know, pay an art director. So what did I do? I was like, okay, we about to shoot most of this film in medium or close-ups because mm -hmm. a blurred out background is going to look sweet as long as something is there and ain't white, <laughs> you know, it's not, you know what I'm saying? We put something in the background here and it's about to be blurred out. And we're gonna we're gonna rely heavily on the story. We're gonna rely heavily on performances. We're gonna make sure that let's get this thing lit in a way where it's you know along with the tone and the the tone and the theme of the film. But I knew my weaknesses and I knew my limitations, and so I was like medium close ups. We're gonna go wide when we can go wide, like where it looks sweet to go wide. Um, and we about to just let the actor shine, <laughs> you know. And so I've had people say, "Dang, it looked like you had a lot of." resources because I had I knew my weaknesses and I wasn't afraid to be like I know I'm whack at art deck I'm not going to try to do that nope I'm not good at that like okay I'm not about to try to shoot this thing myself because I don't have that I I got an eye for I can do a corporate video but when it comes to cinema uh like I need a cinematographer and and so I just knew and wasn't ashamed I was afraid to admit to my weaknesses and my limitations and then look at my strengths it to to uh, combat those you know limitations. So, talk about and you talked about your philosophy, man. But like, talk about some of the like so people you know some of the limitations, or maybe they're not limitations for you. Like maybe you call them something different. But like um, approaching this, you know, what I'm saying, what was your mindset? Like, okay, we have this, this, and this. We don't have these things. This is how we're gonna get around that. Um. Well, I mean. I mean, I, I I love limitations. I feel like we operate better under limitations because at the end of the day, like we don't have we don't have like Tyler Perry Studios where we can shoot like Black Panther on like a bunch of blue screen in front of a bunch right. of blue screen stuff like that. Like so, I think um, every space has its own like spirit, its own look, and so like we always. I always try to like get very specific for each project. So it's kind of like, what is the philosophy for this particular project? So you have two people, you know, kind of engaging in this kind of like relationship that might, the relationship only lasts one night, but it might, you know, come off as like something that, you know, is kind of like, you know, uh, we want to feel like you're kind of spying in on them. So I'm like, okay, so that means we're gonna shoot, we're gonna shoot long. You know what I'm saying? Like typically long. I'm I'm usually a wide shooter. Like my two favorite focal lengths are 28 and 35. You know what I'm saying? So, like Affliction, we shot Charles's film 28 35 for the most part. 55 sometimes. Sentimental Mood, we shot damn near exclusively at 50, 55, 85, some mm. 35, mm. you know what I'm saying? Which makes it and, feel so, it feels so good, man. Like I was telling you, I feel like I'm not supposed to be in on these conversations. <laughs> yeah, and that's how we wanted it to feel. Like we want to feel kind of like, 
we want you we want you to feel it but we don't want you to feel like get too close because you're not supposed to be too close because because mm-hmm. the thing is they both are hiding things mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and when 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 we find out kind of like what they're hiding that's when we kind of get a little closer and we kind of stay there with them a little bit mm-hmm. um so yeah and then but even aspect ratio like we shot uh we shot this film in a one five six aspect ratio it's a weird aspect ratio usually people shoot either one eight five which is like close to 16 by nine or they shoot one six six which is an older aspect ratio one five six is actually a european aspect ratio that was made for tv european tv um that to where you can make it for either standard definition or widescreen so it's like that happy medium between widescreen and uh standard depth and four by three because we were going to shoot four by three initially but i felt it was too cramped and then and we got like two shots in the film so we needed a little bit more depth but by doing that shooting in one location we could make the cochran house seem bigger than really what it was yeah, yeah. by shooting long and with a narrower frame even on our wides, it still feels very, you know, intentional and it feels, it makes the Cochrane House just look like it's, it's varied. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, like, for me, I always like to introduce limitations. Like, so it's like, okay, we're not moving the camera. Pretty much the whole camera takes place on sticks. And let me, let, me, let me interrupt you real quick because you said something when you talked about how the focal length and lens choice the lens choices and, and how you framed it um, made the environment look bigger. And that's intentional, right? And because mm-hmm. that goes back to preparation. Because <laughs> yeah, y'all just sure. yeah. show up and just say, okay, we're here, we're about to start filming. It's just like, yeah. you you went there multiple times ahead of time. Yeah, because when we were initially shooting, when we first went there, I still have the, I still have the test screenshot, the test shots that we got on the camera. We took the camera there, lenses, all that. It was, on 35 millimeter, we're gonna shoot pretty much the whole film at 35 initially. And then uh, at on four by three, you know? But then I started thinking, I'm like, okay, no, I don't necessarily think that works for this story. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, by the time, because my references for the film, for the long shooting film were Carol, the movie Carol with mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara which you still haven't watched. I haven't watched it. Yeah, I got to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Tubi, by the way. I yeah, think, I'm a, I'm a t- yeah, it is. It is. No, it's amazing, though. Like, but, like, so, but they shot, uh, Carol is super, shot on Super 16. So they shot super long with Carol. In the Move for Love, of course, mm-hmm. um, it's clearly a reference for it. Um, they shot long on In the Move for Love, you know what I'm saying? Obscuring, shooting, obscuring subjects and all this type of stuff. Um, but the thing, the thing about both of those films is that we are listening to conversations that we shouldn't be listening to, like you said earlier, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so I was like, man, my film is closer to that than Cold War, which Cold War was my initial reference for it. My, my, my initial reference was kind of like the cinematography style of Cold War, with the color of In the Mood for Love. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but no, we went with like Carol is like, if Carol's the main reference, and then 
uh, and then uh, in the mood for love is still like the color, the color I'm, theory. I'm glad, man. I'm glad because after seeing it and knowing the lens choices, well, I won't say, but the focal lens choice, and knowing that you were going to do a 35 beforehand, I'm like, yeah, that wouldn't have. It would have felt different. It would have obviously. It would yeah. It would have been a different movie, and it would have, like you said, the background wouldn't have been as knocked out of focus. So like they wouldn't seem as isolated and in like their own world you know what i'm saying like and it just would have changed everything so that that's yeah that's that was man that's great that's yeah great. yeah and so we just again like that's why you just keep you just keep testing it like you can't be um married to any idea yeah. you know you might have something that you really want to do and you might like it like again i don't like shooting long lenses i just don't but the 85 made a friend out of me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it did. Man, I love, and I love long, I love long lenses. I love like isolating my characters. And I don't know, I think if I had to analyze it, I think it's just a lot of my, you know, they always, they're, like you said, they're secrets. And so most of us are right. There's people battling with some secret or some, some demon mm -hmm. that, is about to destroy them and they're trying their best not to bring it to the surface and i, I love like isolating them and being close and and you know what i'm saying I don't, I, but anyway man it's it's funny man that's to the differences I, but i would I, I i after seeing the film like this is like you're like woody allen <laughs> i was laughing because i'm like it's like kind of like a woody allen because you're all throughout this film in the character i can hear you and don I can hear you and Debbie. And it's funny because I watch so many Woody Allen films and I'm like, his, you know, his main characters are always like, I'm like, this is pretty much Woody Allen. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and talk about, I mean, that process, even writing that in, and is that intentional or is that just something that just, you know what I'm saying? You're not even trying to do that. Um, so, so to that point, I remember, I think it was after day four or five, Charles, he had came to me at the end of the night and he said, man, he's like, man, your voice is all over this film. You know, um, so I think, I, I won't necessarily say it's intentional. It's not like I'm going going out of my way to like add certain things. I just think like, I have like, or people would tell me that I have like eclectic influences and eclectic things. Like, so I have like a very, kind of like specific set of uh, things that intrigue me. So, you know, like when they, like at, at one point in time, they argue about, they argue about what's the best Disney movie of all time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like for me, I go back and forth between Aladdin and Lion King. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. So it's kind of like one of those things to where I get like when people say Lion King because everybody says Lion King, but Aladdin is hard, like, you know? So it's kind of like that. Like, so again, like, it's not necessarily like me trying to include myself in it. Like, these are just conversations that mm -hmm. like I might have had in my past with like people in my generation, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, so I look at my films as like, the people are going to talk like people I know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, so like, I would say like 
both um, Jacob and Casey both have elements of me in them because of course I wrote the movie. However, they both are kind of like an amalgamation of all of the people that I've encountered mm -hmm. throughout my life. Like I always tell people that like, so me and you could be talking and you might say something interesting and I might just like passively keep it in my mental Rolodex and it might end up in a film later. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What you said to me, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or something like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think like even in terms of like jazz, like the jazz, cause jazz is a major part of yeah. poetry. Of course, poetry is a major part of thing, but I don't, I, I think people could easily be like, oh, well you put poetry in there cause you're a poet and you write and stuff like that. Eh, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily like, I'm adding in there because I'm a poet. I just look at poetry as being kind of like one of those esoteric art forms. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it ain't too many times you run into a poet who who writes books. Right. You, you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you yeah. run into poets who do slam all the time. Like you might run into like a poet who raps or something like that, mm -hmm. but you don't write run into too many poets who are writing books. So I'm looking at that. Like you don't you don't hear people talk about Charles Mingus in movies. So I'm looking at I didn't know who Charles Mingus was four years ago or five years, yeah, five years ago. Kelly had bought me a Charles Mingus CD because she knows I love jazz and mm -hmm. I, my wife introduced me to Charles Mingus. So it's like, wow. I'm gonna put Charles Mingus in my, you know, in my movie, you know? Um, it was a line that didn't make the film, I can say it, but it's a line in the movie where the bartender asks Jacob how he's doing and Jacob says, um, you know, nothing, just trying to find a meaning of life in this corona. And that's a line uh, from a rapper, yeah. Jay Electronica. Like, Jay Electronica said that in Exhibit C, like a classic hip-hop record. Mm -hmm. Like, so mm -hmm. I'm always going to add, mm -hmm. like, just different influences. It's a Dragon Ball Z reference in the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I remember watching Dragon Ball Z in the sixth grade, you know? <laughs> like, so um, I just think it just kind of inherently kind of uh, comes out in the art. Um, but I think, I think I try to lean into it because I feel like that is what's going to make the film unique, mm -hmm. you know, in mm -hmm. terms of the conversations that they have. Because these are like conversations and arguments and debates, like, like even with Casey, you know, being a therapist and what she says about therapy and all that stuff. Right, like, right. That's something that I've heard from like my female friends who you know, who are heavy into therapy and stuff like that. Like they've got on me about that type of stuff. Like, so um, I just try to pay attention and I just try to like make the characters as true to life as possible. You know what I'm saying? I want it to sound natural. So I try to make them talk like how I think I would hear somebody talking. Right, so you know what I'm so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a transition um, to the book, man. Cause you mentioned mm -hmm. poetry, but before I transition to the book, I just want to ask you the last question about the film, man, for the people listening. Um, and I know, I know you don't have any release dates or anything right now. It's still in post-production and, and everything, but for the people listening, man, why do they need to see this film? Why do they need to see, why do they need to see it in a cinema movie? Um, I think, I think you, so I would say this, I'll, I'll say this, like the film is, is made for like so i would say if you're between 30 
and 40, I feel like this movie is for you. Like, if you grew up on movies like Love Jones, you know what I'm saying? Like, The Wood, like, all those kind of, like, mm-hmm. classic those movies. classic, man. Like, those classic kind of, like, black movies. Like, this movie is, like, and I'm not saying it's a boost the movie, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't, or, like, Love and Basketball, all those movies. Like, this movie is, has, like, that spirit within it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, um, however, I think that this movie has that kind of like Love Jones kind of spirit within it. However, it has, it's somebody, it, it's kind of made by, by somebody who really loves cinema as well. Yeah. So that kind of comes through as well. So it's, so I would say like, I think it's something like if you hardcore into the stuff that I've made already, like into like, if you are still looking for like that heavy, like kind of like cinema, you know, that where you can get that, like, I guess, quote unquote real cinema which is stupid to me but where you can get that but you can get this as well i would say this is probably the most entertaining film that i've made you know what i'm saying like so yeah i think it's i think it's something and and i i think specifically for black people man like we don't have we don't have movies where you know two young middle class you know black people kind of meet and get to talk through their stuff yeah you know what i'm saying right. like like it's i think like you don't really see like like i always try to like fill the gaps in my movie like what's what's not being made mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and I, I i like have all these conversations with all of these amazing people but it's like, we don't see these same conversations and these same things and these same kind of like, you don't see, you see most people get inflicting trauma in movies or yeah. or like talking about trauma in movies, but you don't actually see people actually going, healing through the trauma. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, I mean, you, you made that with Brenda, you know what I'm saying? Uh, healing, like I'm healing through the trauma. So, um, you know, I just want to make something that felt good, man. In a in a movie where, in a time where it's not much love out there, you look on social media, it's always like black women bashing black men and black men bashing black women and all that stuff like that, man. It's like, man. Yeah, man. I love black women. You know what I'm saying? And I hope y'all love me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope, I hope we can just come together. And I just feel like this is one of those movies to where you might have some preconceived notions about what it is at the beginning, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I hope that it can be like a healing kind of like, you know, process um, and like bring us closer together. I feel like it's a movie to where you might, like you might, you might make a phone call after the movie. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like on, not, not like, like your movie can like, uh, 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 you might call your mom after you watch your movie after after Brenda. (laughs) But I'm saying, but I'm saying, I'm saying like with my movie, you might, for, for that guy, like you might call the, the young lady who you messed up with in college. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. you might, you might make that same thing with, you know, young women. Like you might make that call. You know what I'm saying? You might, and and I think the main thing, I just want people to like learn how to appreciate the moment. Cause that's really what it's about. You got yeah. two people who just 
there for just that period of time and how that period of time can shape you and prepare you to be better for whatever you are going off to do. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if that really explains no, That was it. great. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a great actually segue into the book, man. When you talk about appreciating the moments and even though, so, you know, with COVID, man, when this hit and quarantine and, and um, it, the moment seems when you got people dying, you have all this stuff that's going on right now in the world, man. And it seems like the moment you're like, man, I need to get out of this moment. We need to, we need to move on to better moments. But what I, what I love about, this book and so the book is called finding light a mm -hmm. quarantine handbook it's a poetry book a book mm -hmm. of poetry and you're pretty much like you 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 it's, it's like i love how as you read through the book you read through the poems it may seem like it's just random poems but what i love is that you put dates on it mm -hmm. and as you're reading like what seems like maybe random poetry it's really like this you're seeing this this um you going through quarantine and COVID-19 with loss and with just trying to figure this thing out and all these other things that are happening in the world too not just COVID and the time and you're just trying to figure this out you're trying to like you know what I'm saying you're changing and evolving through the poetry when did the idea come because I know you have poetry already written but at what point before we get to what point did you decide to write this book Let's talk about quarantine, man, for you. When COVID first came and it first hit and you at home, talk about that when that first person that you may have known died. Like, did it hit you like this is real? Because a lot of people have been dying and it wasn't close. We're like, oh, this is a crazy disease. But people started dropping, man. And so talk about that. Because I remember us having a conversation and you and one day and you were like down that day, man. You were just like, and somebody really close to you had just died. Um so yeah, i know i just asked you about three questions just now no nah, man it was uh man it was i don't know like it's kind of weird it's kind of weird because i ain't talked about it since you know what i'm saying like it was like so so rest in peace to my man's Irvin gibson Rest in peace to Mr. Dwight Gowdy. Rest in peace to Betty Mills. Rest in peace to Dr. Lloyd. Who else? Rest in peace to um, who else? Oh, Mr. Stoudemire, who actually gave me like $500 to do right on in our campaign. Um, I don't know, man, it, it was crazy. It was crazy because like the COVID thing happened and I remember my man, my man Irvin, like so I went I went to church. I went to church. I don't I don't go to church a lot. But I went to church on March twelfth. March twelfth, because I went to go see my pops because my dad's birthday is March thirteenth. So my dad's a pastor for those who don't know. I went to go we went to church, me, Harper and Kale. And I saw fifty 
three of the people who I just mentioned. And also a lady who's kind of like a, like a second godmom to me, Shabrina Trailer. She was, she she went through COVID. She she was like she was like in a, like she was almost out of here. That's what I'll say. Um, and I saw her, and I was just but she she's made it through. Um, but she's had like irreparable damage done to her and stuff like that. So, Mr. Brand, I love you too. Um, not saying that she's gonna ever hear this, but. Um, but nah, man, I think that next week, all the COVID stuff started happening. Like we started getting cases here and, uh, you know, you just be on Facebook and, um, you know, you see people with the stories and this is back when they were bringing everybody into the, you know, they didn't really know how to deal with COVID at that point, you know? So like, I would say a lot of those deaths early on probably were just like, they just not, didn't know how to deal with them. Because you remember they were saying ibuprofen doesn't help. It actually inflames, which again, when it inflames, it it could make it do whatever. So I saw my man Irvin. Irvin is a year older than me. You know what I'm saying? Like grew up together, and I see him. I see a thing. He got the the little um, the vent or the the ventilator. What, what, ventilator. On. Yeah. Yeah. Thing on his on his face or whatever. He he posts post some stuff. He posts some stuff and he's like, hold on, I can go to it right now. March 25th, it's on March 25th. And he posts something in the morning, March 25th that morning. I, I responded to him at 7.25 a.m. Three days later, I think three days later, either three or four days later, he passed away. He never responded to Now, Irvin is a year older than me. He got two daughters. You know what I'm saying? Um, man, I don't, even, I don't know, man. It, it just, I don't know, man. It just kind of, it, um, it, it, it messed me up, bro. Like, just the whole thing. And then, like, and then, like, people were just dropping, like, they were just dropping like flies, man. And it was just like, damn, like, and it, I, I think that's like probably like the, um, the, the downfall of being a preacher's kid is that you know so many people, you grew up with so many people and you know them and, and you just like, damn, like what's, like what's, like what's going on? Like, and so when I was there, like I was just, thinking about my family. I was just like, man, like, cause my wife, she's a nurse and she was still working at the time, but they didn't have COVID patients at first. Then they got COVID, they got COVID patients. Um, and then Harper is growing. So I'm just like, man, and I, and you remember I got the flu. You're right, yeah. I got the flu like yeah. around that time. So it was just like, man, like, so I'm, in, I'm like in the bed with Kel and Harper, this is back when Harper used to sleep in the bed with us. He, and I'm just like, man, should I go get tests? Like, should I go get tested for COVID? And Kel's like, no, they're just going to give you a flu test because they didn't even have testing at that point. Right, you know right. Man? And so I'm just like, man, I just can't. But it, I was, I was, I, it was almost like I was broken, bro. Mm -hmm. Like I was mm -hmm. broken because. 
I wanted to, like, I didn't want to, I wanted to get tested, right? But at the same time, I knew if I went to the hospital, I was for sure going to get COVID because that's how I was right. at that point. Like, right. if you went to a hospital to get tested, you were going to get COVID, you know what I'm saying? And I got my kid next to me, so I'm like, I got the flu, bro. Like, and, you know, so I'm sleeping on the couch at this point, but Harper, of course, he's still, like, all in my face, man. It was just, it was like nothing I could do, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and then you just see everybody dropping, like, flies. You're just like, bro, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Like, how many more people? How many more people? And uh, it was... Um, it was just a, it was just a, I don't know, man. I, I've, I've never dealt well with death, man. Like real talk. I just haven't, you know what I'm saying? I, uh, you know, I lost, I lost a, a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of, like a lot of friends, like in my early twenties. And it just kind of, it just kind of always messed with me, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and, uh, you know, so yeah, that's that's what I just started kind of trying to make sense of it all. So I was just writing just to kind of keep my like keep my sanity or whatever and just work through because I was working through some stuff. You know right. what I'm saying? So like right. I think that was the first time where I felt helpless. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like because yeah. it's like like anybody knows me, I'm a real affectionate person. Like I love hugging my people. I love holding mm -hmm. them. Like I kiss my wife all the time. I kiss my kid all the time. Mm -hmm. Like and I'm just like, damn, like, you can't even, like, hug your people. Like, right, you know this is, saying? yeah, man. The book is literally me working through. Through all this stuff. Through the entire kind of, like, COVID experience and, and um, that not knowing what's, not knowing what's, you know, going to happen next. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, coughs echo through hollow halls as we tried to gain our composure unable to protect loved ones a flaw during these times is holding them closer you know i mean that says everything you know um you know because every place was empty you know so like you you went to Meyer at that point you coughed like everybody in there you know it's like oh, man you know i'm still like yeah. that bro. i was at i was in Meyer yesterday i was sneezing and i was yeah. trying to you know you try to hold a sneeze in it's just disastrous because you, you end go up everywhere you go everywhere <laughs> Man, so I'm like, dang, they about to attack yeah. me in this mug. Like, yeah, exactly. no, yeah, I, I just commend you, man, for for putting pen to paper, you know, yeah. and working through it so that it can, you know, you're putting it out there in the world so that other people can read it and however they interpret it, however, you know, what I'm saying it makes them feel something yeah. like you put something into the world during a time where a lot of people are, you know, putting negativity out into the world or they're, they're, they're quietly fearful or they're, you know, they're like, oh, we're doomed. And you took this time to, to, to put, to be honest and put your feelings and work through it, you know, publicly and give it to people to have and like, you know what I'm saying? And so I just commend you, um, for that man i really do and it's it's a great book and you got this for sale you got you got some more i know like you yeah, well, a few well, that actually, so so the first so that first run where i sent all the books that was like just kind of like a pre-order early adopter kind of kind of thing mm -hmm. um so yeah the book will be i'll be officially releasing the book on tuesday okay 
Officially. Officially. So all the, all, you know, I pre- but I do appreciate everybody who copped a book in the pre-order, like all that early stuff, because that, that was dope. Like we sold out like 36 hours, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. man. So, so yeah, we got, you know. And there's photography in it. Great yeah. pictures that, and it's just, yeah, man. Yeah, everything, everything was taken and developed in the crib during quarantine. So it's not like the craziest stuff. It's not like, it's not meant to be like an art. I mean, even the poetry in here isn't like the most artsy stuff, you know, that I've written. Like my, my like first book, that's why I call this a handbook. My first actual book called Preacher's Kids Are the Worst Ones is like more for like people who like, like the hardcore people who like read my stuff back in the day. But these are like, like again, this is like really a diary, and I hope, I hope that um, I know a lot of times like us as black men, we don't talk about our stuff, mm-hmm. and I know sometimes we're not even given permission to talk about our stuff, mm-hmm. talk about how we feel, and so like I kind of wanted to um, to like change that, and at the end of the day, like you know, it don't matter how many people actually read it or not. It's like hey, like hopefully that's why I made it pocketable. Hey, you can just put it in the back pocket, put it in your back pocket and, you know, go, I would just, I would tell somebody, Hey, put on your mask, put this in your back pocket. If you're a lady, put it in your purse or your little clutch or whatever it can fit. And, um, and just go to the, uh, go to like a river or something, go to a lake or something and just sit outside and just read it. You know what I'm saying? And just think, just think of your experiences through it. Like, this was all written during quarantine. It was written in the thick of quarantine, like when we we didn't know. Like the last poem on May night uh, May nineteenth. That's my birthday, you know, you know. And uh, so I just put the last poem in there, and of course, it's a picture of Harper, you know, in the last. The last, yeah, you know, last. So April eleventh, twenty twenty, man. I think we can we can button it up, you know, with, with when we go back to talking about moments. April 11, 2020, I see that picture and I read the poem. And personally for me, man, it's like a lesson for me Mm -hmm. because I think, and just to be honest, I'm working on this, man. My family is being in the moment. Like I think, you know, I've been getting caught up lately. My son is getting older. He's two, he'll be three in December. You know, and he he is very spirited, man. He he keeps us on our toes. And it's been very difficult for me in his second year of fatherhood to be a father, a husband, and trying to build something. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm working on trying to do another series, another feature. I'm trying to build like, you know what I'm saying? You you get you know. Yeah, you're like you're doing the same it. thing. I'm in the thick of it. And I can neglect moments with them and then when I, my wife always tells me when you're with us you got to be with us and that can be difficult man when I'm like tired and I'm trying and then I'm trying I'm thinking about all these things and getting ideas dropping into my head and and I see the you know April 11th 2020 and it makes me say yeah man and going back to what you said about moments and I feel like just in the conversations we've had I feel like in this pandemic you've probably grown even more to like appreciate moments not saying that yeah. you didn't before, but no, I, as an artist, too, you know what I'm saying? We have that, to like see moments and understand moments. But I think that you, I've seen, I feel like you've grown like in this pandemic to appreciate the moments more. Yeah, I mean, that's because that's always been my, I think that's that's probably like the plight of like 
most artists and I think that's probably like the plight of men in general is that like um, I think sometimes we aren't as present as we should be you know in terms of just being in the moment you know and so I, I mean I'm, I'm you know my wife has kind of always gotten on me about that similar like to you with Latoya yeah, yeah. and so like I've kind of like used my new love for like film photography because film is such a meticulous process so I have to like pay attention you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying like um to just like capture them but then by even looking at the photos after I develop them and hang them and scan them and all that stuff like you're like man like have I been missing this stuff? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like have I been missing? Like, have I been missing, like, these things? Um, so, yeah, man, it's, uh, yeah, man, I definitely, I definitely have grown in terms of appreciating these things. I got a lot more growing to do, you know? Um, still don't got it all figured out. And, uh, you know, I always try to, I try to, um, be the uh the best uh husband and father that i can be you know what i'm saying and it ain't always easy you know what i'm saying yeah yeah, <laughs> it yeah ain't always sure. easy, especially especially when you didn't have like the greatest examples you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. in terms of like because i mean i grew up my parents were divorced you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying so like even for me and kel to have like a healthy marriage we both are like kind of like cycle breakers on our you know in both on our lives you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like we we didn't grow up seeing that you know and so i i always looked at it like hey like i'm gonna look at like what my parents might have where they might have fell short at and be like okay let me try and make it let me try and do it do it the right way the best i can and then hopefully harper learns from me because of course i'm gonna make mistakes i'm not gonna be perfect kel's gonna make mistakes she's not gonna be perfect and then he's better but then we just create like this thing because i mean my parents were probably better parents than their parents you know what i'm saying like so it's just a thing we just kind of learn and uh but yeah man i, I definitely i've just i've just i i would say this i've just grown just so much as a as a man in like just during this during 2020 has been like i think 2020 has been the most transformative year in american history that i've seen mm -hmm. but it's been the most transformative year for me as a man in general like it's been it's been remarkable it's been um it hasn't always been easy. And, you know, when you at the crib, you kind of got to look yourself in the mirror and try to figure out, okay, like, what am I doing this for? Who am I doing this for? You know, uh, stuff like that. You got to forgive yourself for mistakes or things that you've made, like, in the past. Like, I know that's a big thing with me. I, I just have to work on just, like, forgiving myself for not, being who maybe my parents wanted me to be growing up and stuff like that. And I'm just learning how to like, I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to step into that. And that 
has, I think has, I think that has made me be more proactive because mm-hmm. I just know that I have like a whole different path and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I just try my best. To, yeah. Man. And with that, man, I, I appreciate you, bro for being, you know, candid and open and honest. And I think, you know, when I, when I name, when I name my podcast, I give, I, I try to get all my podcast titles um, I, I uh, related to the theme of the podcast and of the guest. And I, I got the title for this one, man. And not even trying to be cheesy or, or do a shameless plug, but it's called In the Sentimental Mood, man. I got you, man. I, this is probably the most sentimental I've seen you, you or heard you, Zach, like, as you were talking and, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, it just dropped in my head when I was listening to it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is about to be called in the sentimental mood. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I can see your growth, bro, for real. Like, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. it, man. I'm just, you know, just trying to just, I don't know, man. I just think sometimes we can just take take stuff too serious at times, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just kind of just like, um. You know, like we we finished the movie. Like once we finished the movie, it's like, bro. Like, I wrote a book. We finished the movie, and I'm not gonna lie. Like a lot of a lot of stuff that I used to do. Yeah, I used to always like do stuff to like try to like prove something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like to prove something. Of course, I had that thing in me that I just wanted to do it in general. But in terms of how it manifested itself in the public space, it's like I really want to. Like I want to prove. Probably, probably to my parents to a degree. Like I want to prove them wrong to a degree. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and um, it's like, bro, none of that matters, man. Like, just let's just live. Just, just let's yep. just try to live and try to appreciate. I got this little boy growing up. I mean, he's he's incredible. You know, my wife is. You know, she's 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 incredible. She's uh. I mean, I wouldn't be nowhere without Kel, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And I and I know dudes say that all the time. Like, but when I tell you, bro, Kel has been there like since I did my first project, Kel has been there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Her and Toya are the two, like, if you want to go to the beginning, her, Toya, and my brother are like, they've been there. And of course, Kel's just there in a different way. And she's had to put up with it. She's had to encourage me, like right, right. you know, um, uh you know what i'm saying like and yep. then she's putting in the work like she's 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 doing my wardrobe and stuff for me so um you know i just try to you know i just i just i just be wanting to be better man you know what i'm yeah. saying like i asked her the other day i was just like hey am i loving you the way you want me to love you you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. if i'm not like tell me you know what i'm saying like let me know like because you know i haven't always been you, you know me, Ken. Like, Man, I'm yeah, bullheaded. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I'm, yeah. I'm bullheaded. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I got my opinions, and I might think I'm right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but everything ain't about being right. Right, right. It's right. it's about giving everybody space to kind of be themselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what, to me, that's what this year has taught me. Yeah, you know what I'm no, that's like, real. Just man. Deal with people in a graceful way. You know what I'm saying? And, man, that's real. And I hope that people <laughs> deal with me in a graceful way. That's real, man. I'm going through that right now as as a husband, man, as a father. Like having to put aside 
you know, my feelings about things that I feel like, oh, I should be, you know, we could get some as men, we could say, look, I'm down here working. I'm down here doing this stuff because I'm trying to make life better for all of us. Mm-hmm. But that ain't at the, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, they want your presence. They want They're still here and now. Yeah. Here and now. They want your presence. And it's like, you know, like you just said, grace. They extend, and that grace is something that, man, I'm learning I, every day trying to like extend it and to like be patient and to be understanding. And it's, 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 it's a, it's a constant um, process of trying to be intentional. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to be intentional every day and, and it can get crazy, man. But like what you just said, man, that's, I, I wouldn't be, sometimes it, it doesn't feel good when the wives, like, you know, they're right about stuff. And they telling you to do some things, do it a certain way. And you're like, you said, bullheaded, like, it's like, I'm about to do it like this. And I may know she's telling the truth and it's right. But I'm just like, I'm not going down that road. I'm doing it like this. And then, you know, she, she's right. And so um, I wouldn't be where I am now. Sincerely, Brenda wouldn't be where it is. Ivan wouldn't be where it is um, without, you know, my wife, without Latoya, like picking up where I, I lacked. Or like, you know what I'm saying? Picking up a baton where I was tired and she picked up that baton and ran with it. And I wouldn't be here, man. And and um, like you said, I have to get better at patience and grace. And that's what I'm learning this in this this um, pandemic. Because, you know, like they like what, what does the scripture say? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, home is the first ministry. Like, I don't know if that's a scripture, but it, it's a saying, home is the first ministry. Um and how can you go out into the world and do your thing and have your wife and kid looking at you like that ain't how you are you're not like that at home <laughs> you know what i'm saying you talking about this and you ain't doing this here like what are you talking about so um yeah man yeah they keep you they keep you honest you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah and that's what i pride that's what i pride myself on man like i pride myself on like, I want to be the same dude, you know, with you. I want to be the same dude. Like, I don't really like the – like, to me, the code switch is just – it's just too much energy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I just want to, you know, if 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 my wife and kid are proud of me, then I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'm man. good. And I'm proud of them. I mean, Kel's grown tremendously as well. And Kel's a nurse. Like, right, so, yeah. like, again, she was on the front lines. She ain't dealing with COVID patients now, but she was. You know what I'm saying? And she was in one. I know it was in Kobo, right? When she was yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was, she was, yeah, she was. She was like they had like a whole. They would have to like get like the hazmat stuff. Had to tote. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, man. No, but y'all made it through. You know. Yeah. So so yeah, man. Through. You know, it's just you know just, again, man. Just grateful. Just grateful for everything, bro. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Just trying to, just trying to, hey, where do you go from, like, it's like, where do we go from here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We will overcome, man. We always have, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, we, we'll definitely overcome it, man. And get Our, out and vote. Everybody get out and vote. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, November. I'm one of those people. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to say that. But I would just say, just get out and vote. I was one of those people who said that. It don't matter who you vote for. It don't matter. But I think that has been disproved <laughs> in the last uh, four years or whatever. So I would just say get out and vote, man. Um, yeah. And just yes. love your people. Hug on your people. But really get out and vote, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. – I want to just take take a moment to say that. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and just and and another thing, just embrace your blackness. Be be proud to be black at all times, man. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I know it's like a anything for everybody to be like black, blackity black right now. But you know, um, you know, it's okay to be black, not on social media too. It's okay yeah. to be in a board and, and being and being black does not equate to being urban or talking with slang right. or whatever. There is a whole like, like uh, not know, monolithic. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. Like, is you can be intellectual and black at the mm-hmm. same time. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So embrace your blackness, all that stuff, man. And again, Ken, great platform. Man, all that I, stuff. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you, bro. Y'all listening? This was a great one right here. I hope you all were taking notes and just reflecting. You know, just reflecting. And I appreciate you, Zach. Man, I can't wait to see the film but where i mean i've seen it i can't wait to see it like yeah. done and it's out yeah. in its entirety man like yeah. I, i'm just excited for people to see the film and where can people follow you and get updates about um in the sentimental uh, well you can find me on instagram at z.c.cunningham um and you can find me on facebook at Zachary Cornell Cunningham, and you can find me on YouTube at Misfitted Academics. So just type in M I S F I T T E D space academics, and you'll see, uh, you know, you'll see a bunch of stuff on there. So yeah, follow me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm be posting more stuff because I got some new projects again. We're not stopping, like, so you know, this is just like y'all. Y'all shouldn't have let me get one for each other. It's over. It's over. Over, that, over the hump. No. Yeah, yeah like we, we kill it. We kill the game now. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, man. Stay humble. You know, keep creating. And don't be afraid to, to, to bet on yourself. Please don't be afraid to bet on yourself. And build a team of people who care about you, who you care about, and who you love. Don't, don't try and just get the most popular, best people. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. Just build a team who fits you you know what i'm saying and just create with those people for as long as you can and i guarantee that positive things will come from it because like i said eight years i ain't know how to use the camera we just made my feet my first feature film we already are we already have an ep attached for my next feature film wow wow already wow so congrats man congrats man yeah, we'll talk about that offline. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. All right, y'all, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, Zach. Thank you all for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week.